We bless the name of the Lord this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's good to see you in God's house. And thank you for coming. And I would like to welcome our brothers and sisters who have joined us online as well. It's good to have you in church. So may you be blessed this morning. And uh, we pray that the Lord will minister to us in a very special way once again today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, church. <laughs> I know you have got the mask on, but I still need an amen. 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 So God bless you. And uh, thank you for coming to church uh, this morning. And once again, thank you for all the brothers and sisters who've joined us online. May God richly bless you. Amen. We continue with our series, How to Discern the Voice of God. We started last week. I'll be finishing today on this one. And then we'll begin to look at other things as well uh, from next week. How to Discern the Voice of God. And uh, we are looking at the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5. And we are reading verse 12 to verse 14. Verse 12 to verse 14. We have done it in a form of a Bible study. I think uh, that's what I tried to do from last week. And uh, a bit of a background before we read the scripture. So, I said last week that the writer of the book of Hebrews wrote this letter to Jewish Christians, uh, a group of Jews who had converted to Christianity, uh, which we call Messianic Jews. And they were part and parcel of the early church. And uh, apparently, there was lack of development in their Christian lives. And uh, the writer of the Hebrews wrote to them to say, no, you can no longer be like children depending only on milk. You need to learn now to depend on the solid food. And uh, before we read the Scripture itself, I would like to say something quickly. That knowledge and wisdom, as you begin to walk with God, these two things are not magically imparted on you at the moment of salvation. So when it comes to acquiring knowledge in our walk with God, and when it comes to acquiring wisdom in our walk with God, that does not happen like magic on the day you get saved. Amen? Some aspects of our Christian lives and some aspects of our spiritual lives, they take time and they take effort to develop. They don't just happen on their own like that. It will require your time 
and it will require a lot of effort on you for those things to be developed. So, the writer of the Hebrews, of the book of Hebrews, is basically saying that those that fail to develop are like children who are still dependent on milk when instead they should be eating solid food. Hallelujah. So, let's go to verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. So, if you look at teachers even in our schools, there are people who have had to acquire knowledge through years of training, but also through their own effort to study so that they can be able to go and teach others. That's in our schools. But the same applies in everything. Uh, even for preachers to be able to stand and teach the word, it takes a lot of time to study. Uh, so when you see somebody else standing on the pulpit and sharing the word, never ever be deceived to think that they just woke up that morning, they came on the pulpit and they shared the word. There are times when you study for three months before you can share that word. Because there's a lot of checking of scriptures and references to really be able to come up with something that is solid, that you can share with people, but also a lot of prayer before the Lord to say, God, is this just my mind or is it you that is speaking? So it takes a lot of time in order for you to do that. A lot of time, a lot of effort to, that is put in, in order for you to be able to share. So he says, I'll begin again, sorry. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Hallelujah. So, what he's basically saying is, we've been working together on this walk for quite some time. But I am surprised with one thing. That despite all the time that we have spent together, you still want us to talk about the first principles of the oracles of God. By now, we should be able to move on and begin to tackle some other things. And one of those things is that you'll be required to mature, you'll be required to become of full age. And at that point in your walking with God, 
you should get to the point that you begin to discern both good and evil. You should be able to discern this is a voice of God, this is the voice of the devil. And unfortunately, I will come to that shortly, but unfortunately, I tend to see that over and over in the body of Christ, even this day. There are many people, children of God, who believe that the one who spoke to them is God when it is not God. So when you come in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 and uh, verse 1 to verse 3, he begins to show us the things that we should now move on from. Not that we should ignore them, but that we should be established in them. And if anyone asks us any question, we should be able to respond and say this is what it means. So these are the things that he says we should move on. Number one, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. So he says, we should come to a point whereby in a church like this, we shouldn't be talking again about repentance from dead works. You should be able to know what it means to be saved. And it's amazing to this day, you can actually meet somebody else who's been working with God for nine years, seven years, and you ask them, what is salvation? What does it mean to be saved? They can't answer it. So he says, no, 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 we should, we should move on from that. We should no longer be talking about repentance from dead works any longer. You should grow move beyond that, begin to learn some new things. And then he talks about a second thing. He says, the foundation of faith toward God. I get amazed to this day that you meet believers who still ask a question, who created God? They've been with God and they, still, they, st- they are still asking you, so this God, who created him? He says, no, 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 you should move on from there. My answer to that is that he was there before the beginning began. And anything you see out there, there is nothing visible that was not created. That was not created by the invisible. So God was God. Nobody created him. He is God by himself. Whether people have an opinion that he exists or he doesn't exist, he is God. Hallelujah. Even you yourself, for you to be here today, it is because of God. Hallelujah. So he says, the issue of faith toward God, that is elementary. That is the very beginning of things. We should move on from that. Then he talks about the third thing. He says, the foundation of doctrine of baptisms. So he says, you shouldn't be struggling anymore to say, which is one is the real baptism? Is it the one that you take, they take water and put you on the forehead? Or is it the one by immersion? So let me answer for the last time. Real baptism is the one by immersion. That one, you basically say, 
I am identifying myself with the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ and I am making a public confession of my faith. So when you are in a church like this and you still haven't gone through baptism by immersion, then we should baptize you by immersion. And you're not going to drown. Hallelujah. And you're also not going to die. It is, it is of great significance. So he says we shouldn't be talking again about the doctrine of baptism. We should move on beyond that. There was a time I think I taught quite a lot about baptism and the significance of baptism. And I think for those of us in KICC by now, we must understand that real baptism is you get immersed in water. Hallelujah. If there is anyone else among ourselves who still do not understand that, please join the Kingsway Bible Institute. Because there we teach about baptism and other things. Then he says, we should also move on from the doctrine of laying of hands. He says, no, let us, let us move on from, pastor, lay hand on me, lay hand on me, lay hand on me, lay hand on me. You should be the one who should now begin to go and lay hands on other people. Hallelujah. But also, you should get to the point whereby you know God for yourself that you are no longer just depending on being laid on of hands. Hallelujah. Amen, church? So, be giving me an amen, alright? Yeah, so when I say hallelujah, you say what? You say amen, so that I'm encouraged as well. And then he says, the fifth thing, he says, we should move on from the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. We should know by now that every man and every woman who dies, whether you die in Christ or you don't die in Christ, there is going to be a day when a trumpet will sound and all the dead will rise. And every man will be judged. Those that did not die in Christ, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, it is destined for man to die once and after that judgment. So there will, be, there will be judgment. The righteous will be judged. The unrighteous will be judged. All of us that are in this room, we are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Hallelujah. So, so we will go through judgment. Even us, we will go through judgment. Amen. And it is based on that judgment of the righteous that will determine the kind of reward you need to receive when we get home. Amen. So don't think that all of us are going to receive the same reward. There are other people who just go into heaven. They just got born again. They were not doing anything. Hallelujah. And then the unrighteous will also be judged. And you know exactly where. If you don't know where the unrighteous are going to go, then, then we need to talk. Because everyone else who is not in Christ will end up going to hell. But that's why I said last week that we shouldn't come to Christ because we are afraid of hell. We should come to Christ because we love God. We know what it means to be served. And we make a decision and say, I will walk with God. Hallelujah. The righteous will be judged. The unrighteous will be judged. The unrighteous will be judged to condemnation for eternity. The righteous will be judged 
based on what we have done in the kingdom of God. And people will receive rewards. Hallelujah. So, so he says we should move on from there. Everybody by now should know if Christ resurrected, we will resurrect. So he says we have to move on from there. Then he says we should also move on from the doctrine of eternal judgment. So you find those things in verse 1 to verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 6. He says these things are elementary. It's, they are like you go to, uh, to, to, to nursery and uh, the way teacher teaches you A for apple, B for banana, C for cow, D for donkey or dog, E for elephant. He says these things are like that. So when we come to the Lord, we should be taught these things and we should understand these things and then when we have understood them and then we begin to walk with God, we should be able to know that yes, there is the doctrine of eternal judgment and this is it. And there is the doctrine of resurrection from the dead and this is it. There is the doctrine of laying on of hands and this is what it means. There is the doctrine of baptism and this is what it means. There is the doctrine of faith toward God and this is what it means. There is a doctrine of repentance from dead. What it, this is what it means. So he says, by now you should be grounded in this. That now you begin to go out and begin to teach other people. Hallelujah. So he says, these are elementary. Then he says, now when you begin to put in effort and time to study these things, to get grounded in these things, what will happen is that God is going to take you on a journey. And on that journey, what God will do is going to help you now to begin to discern both good and evil. Hallelujah. And last week I said, and I love what he says there in verse 3. He says, and this we will do if God permits. <laughs> I love it. He says, this we will do if God permits. But we shouldn't be spending time on this anymore. Let's move on. Let's move on. So what I would like to say before we move on to what I said last week is that please make it a desire. Make it your desire to grow and to gain knowledge of clearly hearing God's voice. Hallelujah. Because you are not going to be with pastor all the time. You are not going to be with pastor all the time. There will be times when you are all by yourself. And my desire and the desire of God. That whether in Kazakhstan. Whether you are in Antarctica. Whether you are in Canada. Whether in Malawi. Whether you have gone to Chitipa. Whether you have gone to San Sanjay. Anywhere you may be. You should be able right there to hear God's voice. And not waiting and say, hey pastor. Uh-uh. Uh grow up. Hallelujah. Because the thing is that God still talks. And the devil also still talks. And the devil comes as an angel of light. Amen? And he quotes scriptures. And many people think that they have heard from God when it is not God. Last week, I shared five things about the traits of God's voice. I said, when God speaks, there is no fear associated with his voice. Every time, fear is a demonic tool. If you haven't listened to last week's message, please listen to that message. I don't want to go through there. Number two, I said, also, when God speaks, 
there is peace. There is an internal calmness. This is not peace in terms of absence of storms. So there can be storms, but there is an internal calmness. And it's also not peace because you have disobeyed God and now you are saying, ah, you know what, now I'm at peace. No, 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 no. It's not that kind of peace. Again, listen to last week's message. Number three, I said there is no contradiction with scripture. Every time there is contradiction of scripture, it means somebody has misinterpreted or misapplied the word of God. Hallelujah. There is no contradiction. Number four, I said there is no what? No haste. There is no haste. And I gave so many examples and it's as if I knew that evangelist Stephen Lungu is going to pass on to glory. Because I talked about him last week. As, as somebody else who really groomed me a lot in my walk with God. And the things that I wanted to do, he used to say, no, not now. That's, that's not God. I, I didn't like it, but see how I've turned out now. Hallelujah. So there are other people who will tell you, don't do this. There is for a very simple reason. They have been there before. They made mistakes which they don't want you to repeat. It's not that they hate you. They actually wish you well. And there are many people who have made a lot of mistakes in life because they chose not to listen. So again, listen to last week's message. So I said, there's no contradiction. And lastly, I said, there's no condemnation. It speaks good things. Amen. Today, I want us to look at how some traits of the devil's voice. And I know you'll be very interested in that. <laughs> All right. But before we go there, one of the things I'll say about the devil is that the devil always misquotes scriptures. He always misquotes scriptures. But we'll look at a few things. He always speaks lies. And the devil also uses scripture out of context. You, he uses that quite a lot. He is a father of lies. He is a chief liar himself. And one of the things that the devil would do is he is always, always going to question the character of believers. So, this is how it will come out. If she is a believer, if he is a believer, then how could he shout at me? Hallelujah. It always questions the character of believers, the intention, the motive, the heart of that is demonic. Hallelujah. Amen. Church, I begged you. Remember, I asked you, am I not preaching nice? Okay. So he does that quite a lot. He will always question the character of believers. Question the character of believers. Question the character of believers. So let's look into this a bit more. The very first one, trait number one of the devil, for you to know the voice of the devil. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the Bible says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of the tree of the garden 
of the tree of every tree of the garden you may freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die now that sounds too basic to ignore right it it sounds it sounds like straightforward of every tree of the garden you are you may freely eat of every tree of the garden but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that one you shall not eat it you shall not eat of that tree for in the day that you eat of that tree you shall surely die instruction given so let's go to genesis chapter 3 verse 1 now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the lord god had made and he said to the woman has god indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden what did god say no we remember we're doing it like bible study what did god say where is that verse chapter 2 verse what verse what what is god saying of every tree of the garden you may freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely what die so let's look at the question that the devil is asking has god indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden all right and the woman said to the serpent we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden now maybe maybe it was in the middle of the garden i don't know okay god said you shall not eat it no shall you touch it did god say you shall okay lest you die so if he's saying god even said we shouldn't even touch i don't know if she had some intentions of going to go and touch because if he says don't don't eat of that tree then i will not spend my time to be going around around that tree go like hey i came i'm not eating of you I, no to eat of all the other things but this one they said you shouldn't be going there so i'm not going to go there hallelujah then the serpent said to the woman you will surely you will not surely die for god knows that in the day you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you'll be like god knowing good and evil so the first thing that the devil does is he challenges God's declared truths and boundaries. He will always challenge. He will challenge the truth that is in God's word. He will challenge the boundaries that God has put. So, simple simple things. If you are a man married to a woman, how many women should you have sex with? One. Not two. One. 
till death do us part. So you cannot be going. So nobody should be telling you, hey, no, 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 no. Because you'll be saying, oh, so the, this is what the devil will say. So did God say, you shall not hug another woman? <laughs> did God say, you shall not greet another woman? Did God say, you shall not? Uh-uh. Let me say it here in church today. Sex is good. But it is good in marriage. So all the young people that we say, no premarital sex. It's not that we are, we are not saying you shall not have sex. Sex you shall have. You can have it in the morning, at noon, in the evening. It's your choice. But in marriage. Outside of marriage, God says it's sin. So you shall not. And everybody says you shall what? You shall not. Hallelujah. Because the devil is going to say, did God really say you know what? One of the things that God, the devil will say is, did God really say you shall not have a relationship? So, so, if, 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 so if you don't have a relationship, then how are you going to get married? Did God say you shall not date? Did God say he is going to do all that? Is that what he really meant? You know, that, that's what the devil will keep on asking you. Is that what he really meant? So the devil will work hard and he will speak so hard to convince you that the word, as it is in God's word, does not apply to you. You are so special that that word doesn't apply. People will begin to say, show me in the Bible where it says you can't marry two wives. That's a voice of the devil. Show me in the Bible where it says you cannot drink alcohol. That's a voice of the devil. Alcohol, you don't drink. Hallelujah, church. It's, it's there in the Bible. I don't need to be sweating myself, taking time myself, and, and really arguing with you that you shouldn't drink alcohol. If you drink alcohol, you behave like a zombie. You, begin, you end up smashing the car. You begin to do all those other things. Now, last week I gave you a very good example of how the devil speaks. So somebody sends me a clip, and the gentleman says, you, you, you Christians, when somebody has offended you, it takes you so many years to forgive. But us, us who drink, it's very simple. Because if you offend me, or I say, I meet you tomorrow, I say, you, what you did yesterday was not good. So don't do it again. Go get a bottle of beer. <laughs> you know? But he says, but you Christians, you, you keep it forever. You keep it forever. Now somebody will begin to think and say, ah, okay, then it means it's not wrong. No, as a believer... We shouldn't be struggling with you. That you should be asking us questions. That is the one that takes your effort to go and search the scriptures yourself to say, okay, where is it that it is written? I shouldn't drink. Don't even begin, okay, misquoting scriptures. Paul told Timothy that because of the ailments he had, he should take a little wine. Are you Timothy? <laughs> there must be a reason why Paul told Timothy to take a little but if you are not Timothy, the Timothy of the Bible, because don't begin to tell me because, oh no, my name is Timothy, therefore according to scriptures I'm allowed. I am not Paul. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so the devil does that. He will always try to convince you that the word of God does not apply to you in that context. You are so special. It's only others that it applies to, but you, as far as you are concerned, that word doesn't apply. Let me give you one good example. 
Second Corinthians 6.14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That means a believer cannot be in a yoke with an unbeliever. Amen? This, this applies to everybody. It says, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. So, so don't come to me and say like, oh, okay. So, the man, the young man who has come, or the young woman you have found, is she a believer? And then you see what people respond. They respond like this. Abus, I'm a pempera. No, I'm asking. Is the person born again or not born again? No, I'm a Peter. I'm a Peter of KICC. Uh-uh. Even in KICC, there are others who are there who are not born again. There are others who are, who are in KICC who are also adulterers. There are others who are in KICC who are also drunkards. There are also others who are in KICC who also steal. So the fact that the person goes to KICC is not a qualification for heaven. Hallelujah, church. In any church, I, what I'm saying right now, you find in any church. You find drunkards in any church. You find adulterers in any church. You find thieves in any church. You find them there. Even here, they are here. So don't tell me and say, like, oh no, he, he prays. Ah, ah, ah. Is the person a believer? Does he or she have a testimony that he or she is walking with Christ? He fears God. He knows God for himself or herself. Does he or she have that testimony? Hallelujah. Amen, church? So, so scriptures like these, please understand, the devil will come in to question the truth that is in scriptures and to question the boundaries that God has put in our lives. Every boundary that God has put for our lives, it's for our own good. Somebody say amen. amen. It's for your, our own good. The reason why he tells me don't steal, it's for my good. The reason he tells me don't commit adultery, it's for my good. The reason he says you only one wife, it's for my good. The reason he says don't lie, it's for my own good. When he says anything God has put in his word, it's for my own good. But the devil will come and question those boundaries. He will come and question that truth and say, did God really say? Is that what he really meant? And then you begin to reason it. Scripture, you obey. Hallelujah. What do you do with scripture? You obey. That's all you do. You don't begin to say, ah, no, God. But, 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 ah, uh, ah. Uh, you, you just obey. Number two. Point number two. Let's go to the book of Matthew. So, number one, what does the devil do? Church, Bible study. What does the devil do? He questions God's declared truths and boundaries. Hallelujah. He will always question that. 
Number two, Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, 21 to 23. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must. He must, he what? Must, must. He must go to Jerusalem. He must go to Jerusalem. And suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. So Jesus, it's like Pastor Macduff, I begin to tell you and say, listen KICC, I must go to Blantyre or I must go to Chitipa. And when I go to Chitipa, I will suffer many things. What is the word? Suffer. I will suffer many things from the people there. The chiefs and what, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. Because somebody will say, Pastor McDuff hates the people from Chitipa. I'm giving it as an example. Maybe let me give an example from my village. Alright? So I must go to Nyanga village. Alright? When I go to my village, what will happen is that the elders of my village... The chief priests of my village, the scribes of my village, I'm going to suffer many things in their hands and they are going to kill me. But after they have killed me, I'll be resurrected when Christ returns. Hallelujah. So I say a thing like that to you, KICC. Then one of you, I'll not mention who, but one of you stands up. So the Bible says, verse 22, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, to scold him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. You see, there's an exclamation mark, right? So he shouted, this shall not happen to you. Far be it from you, Lord. And then But the Bible says, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. So, the second thing that the devil does is the devil always and all the time seeks To pull you away from God's divine purpose and plan for your life. He always and all the time. He seeks to pull you away from God's divine purpose and plan for your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He will always try to do that. The devil here is using Peter... And to try to put Jesus to go off course. Jesus has to go to Jerusalem. When he goes to Jerusalem, he has to suffer many things at the hands of the scribes, the chief priests, and all the people there. And then be killed and then rise up again on the third day. Jesus was not going to die in Nazareth or in Capernaum. The place which God had ordained. That Jesus should die was Jerusalem. The ones that were supposed to kill him on that day 
were the chief priests, the scribes, and, and, and the elders in Jerusalem. It was not going to be the sinners in Jerusalem. Actually, the night they killed Jesus in Jerusalem, the sinners were busy doing their thing which they had been doing all their time. The ones that were saying, kill him, stone him, finish him off, were from the temple. Hallelujah. And, and, and Jesus says, this is what has to happen in my life. So, Peter takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him. He begins to scold him. He begins to reprimand him. He begins to tell him off. He begins to lecture Jesus. How do I know that he begins to lecture Jesus? He says, far be it from you, Lord. He shall not. He says, this shall not happen to you. Ah, Peter. So now you know better than Jesus. This shall not happen to you. This shall not happen to you. And, and when he begins to do that, Jesus turns around. Let me tell you something. And this I want you to take note of. Don't give people advice if you have not done it yourself. Hallelujah. If you have not done it yourself, don't give people advice. Because later when Peter understood what Christ meant and, and he came back to the Lord and everything else. But we are told that when Peter was dying, he said, you cannot kill me the way you killed my master. You are not going to lay me on a cross the way you nailed my master. And, the, and history tells us that Peter requested the people in Rome when they were finishing him off. He says, my cross, my head is going to be down. My legs are going to be up. I can't die the very same way my master died. Hallelujah. So, I want you to understand that what Peter was saying here, this did not come from Peter. It came from a demon. It was a demon trying to influence Peter. Because the only reason and the whole reason why Jesus came to, on planet earth it was to die on the cross so that we are saved from our sins and then we be restored and reunited with God. We wouldn't be sitting in this church today if Christ didn't die and resurrect. Hallelujah. The only reason Christ came was to die for his people, for their sins. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. That's the reason why he came. And, and, and Peter is now trying to take him off course. And I want you to understand, when you begin to walk on the path of God for your life, when you begin to walk on the path of God for your life, I can assure you one thing. Someone, somewhere, somehow, will come and try to get you off the path. Every time. They'll come with suggestions. They'll come with ideas. You make a decision. This year, I want to go to church for each and every prayer session in the morning. It can either be your husband or your, or your wife who says, Even in this house, we pray. You, you want to tell us that God is only, is only a church. The, and, and they'll even quote scripture. The Lord is everywhere. That's a voice of the devil. Hallelujah. Is it true that God is everywhere? It's true. 
But last week I told you the difference it makes to assemble together as believers. Don't tell me, no, I gave very good examples last week about, about all that. We need each other. The devil will speak to tell you to go off course. But I want to pray for you that please stay the course. You will go through storms. You will go through trials. You will go through temptations. And you are going to fail. Not only once. You are going to fail many times. That's why last week I said. There is now therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Because one of the things that the devil would do. When you have failed. He's going to say, hey, you, you used to say you're a believer, but now look, you just touched Kazbek. Now God, God has condemned you. A righteous man may fall seven times, but he rises up again. Hallelujah. You, you may make what may be called the worst mistake in your life. But what you have to do is you need to rise up again. Because truth be told, those of us who stand here and sound that we have got wisdom. I hope so. I'll tell you one thing. I look back at my life. And I, I look at everything I have gone through. And everything that has happened in my life. Today I appreciate. That God was preparing me for this. Hallelujah. God was preparing me for this. A lot of the things we go through in our lives, God is preparing us for something that he's going to use us at a certain point in our life. Hallelujah. That's how God works. So if you ask somebody like me, Pastor, have you failed before? Many times. Pastor, have you sinned before? Many times. But one thing I've done is I do like Paul. Counting, forgetting what is behind. Forgetting what is behind. Because you know what? The truth of the matter is things that I didn't do right in my life, I can't change them. You, you understand what I'm saying? I can't change them. I cannot undo them. I cannot change them. They happened. Other people may have an opinion about it. They may say that until the day I die. But you know what? The truth of the matter is I have made things right with God. And every single day I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. Fearing that after I have preached to others, I myself may be disqualified. Hallelujah. That's what, that's what I am doing. So it, before I became a pastor, I was a Christian. And I am a Christian. So the things I do for the kingdom of God, I don't do them because I am a pastor. I do them because I am a believer in Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is my savior and my Lord. And I want when he comes, if I die first before he returns and I appear before him, I want him to be able to tell me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's all I'm looking for. Hallelujah. Now enter the rest. If I can be able to speak a little bit, I want to be able to say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
Now what remains for me is the crown of righteousness. That the Lord, the righteous judge, will give not only to me, but all those who love his appearing. That's all I want. I just want to keep the faith. I want to finish the race. And I, I, want, I just want to keep on fighting. Until I come to the end. Along the way of fighting, along the way of walking the rest, along the way of all this, I know I will make mistakes. But you know what? I will not allow the devil to keep me down there forever. I will rise up. To other people, I will go and apologize. It's up to them to accept my apology or not to accept my apology. As long as God has accepted my apology, I'm, I'm fine with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is that the devil will always, 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 not only once, but always, the devil will seek to pull you away from the divine purpose and the plan for your life. When I was making decisions that I would come full time into ministry, of course, as you know, I've been doing consultancies and other things. But there were many people who spoke. Others actually did not believe it's God. When I left the other career and came into ministry, people said it's not God. Actually, somebody wrote me a letter. Say, you have missed God. You have missed God. And because they were very convinced I've missed God. But where I was praying, they were not there. But I've also told you, there are so many people that I've gone to seek counsel from. I do, I do rarely, rarely these days make a decision without seeking counsel. I rarely do I do that. Because I know I am also prone to the voice of the enemy. As a pastor, with all the fastings I do, I know I am prone. So I go and I seek counsel. This is what I want to do. Should I go ahead and do it? What do you think? And when it's God, I know it's God. When it's not God, I also know it's not God. Number three. Luke chapter four. This one to three. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. This was the time he was baptized, right? Church, are you here? Okay, this was the time he was what? After he has been baptized. How was Jesus baptized? <laughs> huh? How was Jesus baptized? How was Jesus baptized? He mentioned. So how do you need to be baptized? He mentioned. So we shouldn't discuss about this again. Okay. So after Jesus has been baptized by he mentioned, who baptized him? John. After he's been baptized, the Bible says, he was led by the Spirit of God. I've added of God. He was led by the Spirit to where? Into the wilderness. So what does it mean? You will go through the what? The wilderness in your life. Don't, don't be, when you begin to go through the wilderness, as long as you know that wilderness, you didn't cause it for yourself. It's not because of sin. Don't begin to say, hey God, what wrong have I done? You know you have done nothing wrong. Why are you punishing me like this? That's the devil trying to make you believe that God hurts you. God doesn't hurt you. Amen. Hallelujah. As long as you didn't cause it for yourself. Hallelujah, church. Amen. 
So he was led by the spirit into the wilderness. Let, verse 2. Being tempted. Being what? Tempted. So it means you will be what? Tempted. First Corinthians 10, 13. You will be, I think that's a correct scripture. Pastor, right? You will be tempted. You, you will be tempted. Say, me, me, I will be tempted. You don't want it. You will. You will. So he says, being tempted for 40 days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was what? Hungry. The son of God was what? Hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So number three, what the devil will do is, the devil will always, 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 always speak to you when you are spiritually weak and physically weak. When you are spiritually weak and physically weak, I can assure you one thing, you are going to hear the devil speak. At the moment when you are not at your when you are not at your strongest place, strongest point in your walk with God, the devil will talk to you. Hallelujah. He will speak. When you are physically weak, when you are spiritually weak, so let me give a few examples. Money is a problem. I love talking about this money issue. Money is a problem. And you know right now, if God does not come through for us, we are dead. Alright? And somebody comes up with a very nice, seemingly nice, brilliantly nice idea. But there is no peace within yourself. I found who I was speaking to you and then I'll go to English. Found who fed has another woman would come out to China, Jackie, Chimanduzakuti. You understand? From today, stop saying China Jake. Say the Spirit of God was saying to me. We have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. We have the mind of Christ. As long as we are searching scriptures, we have the mind of Christ. So stop saying this thing of China Jake. Because you think it's China Jake and Jefajake Simanvera. But when you know it is the Spirit of God. You say the spirit of God is telling me this is looking great, but he is saying no. Allow it to go because then there will be another opportunity that will come. Or there is an opportunity for you to go and get caterpillar. And the interest rate is 100%. Please avoid. Hallelujah. Avoid. One of the things you should avoid in your walk as a believer is to take caterpillar. You know what caterpillar is, right? What is the English word for it? Ah, Bible study. What is the English word for caterpillar? 
Huh? It's called loan sharks. Loan sharks. You go get a loan and the interest rate is 100%. That one, you may never recover. Avoid caterpillar in your life. Avoid going into Ngongole in your life. Hallelujah, church. Because we have got a lot of believers who are in the church today. But if you check most of the times, they never listen to the spirit of God. They wanted to prove a point. The devil will always speak to you when you are spiritually weak and physically weak. And you know, that's when most of the times, it's when you are spiritually weak and physically weak. That's when people begin to fight. When, not so, when all of you are really walking with God, you are in tune and things are happening in your life. Very That's why you see in a lot of families, people don't pray together. Because the devil always wants to make sure somebody is okay, the other one is not okay. So the one who is okay, he goes and attacks the one who is not okay, but you sleep on the same bed. You eat the same food. You say something very simple, it is misinterpreted. All of us go through that in life. Hallelujah, church. And you even begin to wonder, ah, so, Pastor Sunga, this is a very simple thing I said. I'm telling you. Sorry, Pastor. Abu you know I love you, Eddie. I'm not trying to put you on a spot. I had to choose a safe one. Amen? Always, always. So, what I want to say is this. Never make life-altering decisions, life-changing decisions when you are sick, when you are weak, when you are not at your strongest point. Because a lot of people say, check most of the times, the time people say, it's when they are weak, when they are sick. When they are not at their strongest point. I've stopped fasting. I've stopped trusting people. I've stopped going to church. Check all the time. It's when they are not at their strongest point. So never ever make a life. Or don't even resign your job. When you are spiritually weak and physically weak. You may miss God. Just appreciate and say, God, everything I am going through right now, you are intending to use it at some point in my life. I may not understand. Amen? Your weakest point in life, when you are sick, when you are weak, when you are not spiritually strong and physically weak, that is the devil's ground for messing with you and playing with you. Hallelujah. That's the devil's ground. And, and, and already right now, I think in this church, somebody is being delivered. Because you made a decision at your weakest point. 
Never ever make a life-changing decision, a life-altering decision at your weakest point. That's why last week I was saying, even our younger sisters in church, when you feel the biological clock is ticking and you are saying you are losing out, don't make a decision at that time. Because chances are very high. The guy who is going to show up is not Boaz. He's going to be Zobo or Bozo. Hallelujah. Don't make a decision when you are desperate. Hallelujah, church. Jesus is hungry. Jesus is physically weak. And the devil knows right now Jesus, the son of God, is physically weak and hungry. Now let me speak. And he will do the same with you. Hallelujah. So be wise enough. Be smart enough. Not to allow him to manipulate your thinking. All those who have thought, pastor hates me. If you check most of the time, it's when they are physically weak and spiritually weak. The devil will, will tell you, that pastor, he hates you. Arizona. I want people. Nay, I should be hating the people I want. Does it make logical sense? So, what am I saying? Don't make life-changing decisions, life-altering decisions when you are weak. At that point, cease fire, don't make a decision. The best you can do is go and seek counsel. Because also the challenge that we have is that people come to seek counsel to get a rubber stamp. So, when you say, no, don't, You see, I knew, I knew he was going to tell me no. I knew, but but pastor, my family is suffering. No, don't. So it will sound as if me, I hate your wife, I hate your children. No, it's not like that. I know. Hallelujah. Point number four. We need to be finishing off. Luke chapter 4, 5 to 13. At that point, the devil was not done with him. Hallelujah. Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. It's that moment when you you, you are looking at the money. And already at that point in time, you, you already say, with this money, Timal is a nyumba. Tika plaster, tika titan, tika matairosi, and tigula VX, okay? Okay? Tigula VX, masku fizuanza ana tilipira, neudina so tisevanso, detika sevai, neudigula ngombe, detika gula ngombe, tika gula sombuzi, neudipa japatisa gula buchala. You know, mpamina umaza zindikila zote mundu nendirini mapulani. Have you been there, church? I have been there. I have been there. I go like at this. I go like, ah, God. Ah. And you know, for me, eh, I will disclose now. <laughs> for me, I stay. I go like, that building we want to build, people will see the Lord with us, and the Lord says, no, I'm not involved. <laughs> Because people will say, KICC belt in one year. They build a fence. 
And they built a three-story building. And their car park was amazing. And even in their ground, they had shinas. <laughs> even as pastors, we attempted to show off. We are very tempted. And one of the things I've made myself, a decision I've made is that even if all the banks would be giving Gongoli Kumachari, Chizomangira Machari, I'll not go get for a loan. I would rather we build Bangono Bangono. Nika kuputile ni Gongoli Nika Nyamuka. Huh? Mena unyamukila andumundeni Nyamuka ndaka kuputile ni Gongoli. I'm not going to do that. So don't come to me and say, Pastor, there is a loan here. I will not go with you, no. Me, uh-uh. I will not be the first one. Go into the book of Kings. They say the guy was a prophet. If it wasn't for Elisha or Elijah, they would have become slaves. All the deacons you have heard me. Let's not go for that. Amen? So, he showed him all the glory of the kingdoms. In a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I'll give you and their glory. Who doesn't like glory? <laughs> but remember I say there are three things that kill people. For the men is the God, which is money, glory, and the girls. For the women, it's the guys, the God, and the glory. All are the things that kill people. So he says, I'll give you, and I, I give it. I give all the glory. For this has been delivered to me, and, I'll gi- and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, and all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And say to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil had ended every, say every. Every. every, every. When the devil had ended every temptation. Have you finished every temptation yet? Aha, then welcome home. (laughs) He says, he departed from him until an opportune time. He knew, we'll meet on the cross. We'll meet on the cross. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that the people will say, release Barabbas. And you know what the people said in Jerusalem that day? Let the case be upon us and our children. Hallelujah. So number four. He seeks to appeal to your flesh and please your flesh. He seeks to appeal to your flesh and please your what? Your flesh. 
I will say something very funny. But how many of you have ever smelled wine? Wine. 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 Don't sound as if you have never smelled it before. How many of you have smelled wine? Does it smell nice or evil? Be honest with me today. Huh? Have you ever been tempted to say maybe just today? I have, but I haven't drunk, but I have. Okay? Sometimes you're on a plane, the poor one on the right, red wine. The one on the left, white wine. You, Sprite. I go like, ah. (laughs) I'm not enjoying the flight. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm not enjoying this flight. So it smells nice. But you know what it does? It appeals to your flesh. It appeals to your flesh. It appeals to what? To your flesh. And the moment you now say, me too, red wine. Now you are pleasing the what? The flesh. May God give you the courage to ask for Sprite. Because even in the sky, the Lord is there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, church. You know, that's what gets us in trouble, pleasing the flesh. That's what gets us in trouble. Most of the times it's pleasing the flesh. Verse 5 and 6, the devil was trying to appeal to the ego of Christ. He wanted, to, he wanted the ego of Christ. Honestly, I was asking myself, I said, how can you say this to creator of the whole world? The creator of the world, you say, I'll give you all the glory. I give it to whosoever I wish. I'm like, devil, you must be crazy. But having said that, what I want to say is that he will also seek to appease your what? Your ego and your flesh. The biggest fights we have in church, even in marriage, the biggest fights people have in marriage is when somebody's ego is threatened. You begin to say, I should have been treated in this way. That's an ego. No, Abusa Sanda Nankurebu. Pastor Sunga Sanda Nankurebu. That's an ego. That's an ego. You know, you know, this is what I want to show you today as I as I, I will look at the last point and then we'll close. Uh, those of you who came from <laughs> who came from home today, <laughs> I know all of you came from home. Did you drive past the church on your way here? Did you drive past the church? Why didn't you just stop there? Huh? Why didn't you just stop there? Why? Why did you come all this way? Answer me. Why did you come all this way? You could have gone somewhere and be a visitor today. Huh? Why did you come here? It's what? It's your church. Well, the way you behave, is it your church? <laughs> but what, what I want to say is this. It is God who has brought us together. Hallelujah. It is God who has brought us 
together. It is God who has brought me to you and you to me. God knew you are of use in my life. And I am of use in your life. And you should know when you are not here, I suffer. And when I am not there, you suffer. The doors of this church are open. We can walk in and walk out anytime. But I want you from today, please understand, it is God who brings you to a church. And there's always a reason why God brings you to a church. Hallelujah. You walk in some churches, you, 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 you immediately you say, the spirit of God is in this place. But somehow your heart tells you, no, I don't belong here. And then you come here with the mud outside. Sometimes the cars during a rainy season like this. And then you're saying, but that's my church. There's a reason why. Hallelujah, church. So, tikayambana, all right, when my ego and your ego is threatened, it's not a reason for you to leave. Don't let your flesh call the shots. Because if you're not careful, your flesh will take you out and destroy you. The devil will make suggestions to destroy your flesh. The devil will make suggestions to make you go on a path and a road of destruction. But I'll tell you the truth. You will always end up in trouble. You end up in turmoil, you end up in problems, you end up in tragedy, you end up in pain. Proverbs 14.12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So from today, I want you to understand, who brought us together? God. That's the reason why you come to this church. I, I, I hope you believe and understand and know that the one who brought you here is what? God. Even if it may be me who invited you, it could be that at that time, God used you. But, but also, have you ever invited people to church before? You have invited people to church before? And they came to church? How many of them stayed? Huh? Very few. Other, and, and after they came, I can assure you what they said to you is go like, wow, your church is nice. Wow, you guys, you guys, you listen to that word? Hey, you worshipped him. And they said things which made you think, ah, next week they will come. <laughs> and then next week they were gone. And you ask them, ah, I didn't see you in church today. Ah, but after, after what you told me that day, I thought we just found a new usher. It's God who brings us together. That's why in KICC we believe in the word, the warmth, and the worship. The word, as I share now, the worship as we saw, the warmth, the way we care for each other. Finally, finally, But before I go to finally, what I would like to say is that God has called us to humility. Okay? 
You can read Philippians chapter 2 verse 1 to 11. I'm not going to go there. So read it when you get home. But God has called us to humility. Never ever allow your ego when it is threatened to make you make some decisions that you regret later. I pray that we can become a church that learn to forgive each other easily. Because we will step on each other's toes. I watch my children and I know they love each other. But the way they pick on each other. My daughter now has come up with a, a, a terminology. She says, choose peace. Dad, choose peace. The brothers, choose peace. She says, don't, don't, don't choose violence. Choose peace. It's not like that they fight. But you know, these things that siblings do. Somebody's doing something else. They do something. That's what makes us. So this this fight, you know, if we don't fight, how are we going to know that we forgive? (laughs) Sounds naive, right? Yeah, Uncle Levy, if I don't fight with you, how am I going to know that we forgive each other? We should fight, and then people see us and go like, hey, but the way you fought. Go like, no, he's my brother. He's my brother. Go behind us, Satan. You want to separate us? He's my brother. That's church. Hallelujah. That's church. Number five, the last one, 23 past nine. So we should finish now. I needed to finish at quarter past, so I'm sorry. Revelation 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven, saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. So number five, he is an accuser of the brethren. The devil always accuses. Last week I said condemnation comes from who? The devil. Conviction comes from where? God. When you get convicted and you say, what I've done is the wrong thing. I want to make things right. That's conviction. Condemnation tells you, you rubbish. You think God can forgive you. That's condemnation. So the trade of the devil is accusing others. Anytime a person is accusing someone of something that cannot be proven, What did I say? Anytime someone is accusing somebody of something that cannot be proven, the intentions, the motives, the heart is demonic in nature. So if you come to me to accuse someone else of something, you better prove it. Hallelujah. You better prove it. So if you say, Pastor Macduff, I'm a bandalama, you need to what? To prove it. That I steal. But if you don't prove it, then your intentions and your heart and your motive is what? Demonic. Hallelujah, church. That will help you not to be used of the devil to accuse people anyhow. 
Let me finish. Job chapter 1, verse 8 to 11. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is no one, none like him on earth, on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear you for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now, stretch out your hand and touch all he has, and he will, show, he will surely curse you to your face. So the devil goes before God and says, you know what, God? You have protected Job. You have provided for Job. Take the hedge off. See what Job is going to do. And he does exactly the same today. You know, the devil accuses us before God that the only reason we are serving God is because God has provided for us, because God has clothed us, because God has protected us. But I want to be honest. We are grateful to God that he has done these things. But we also say like Job in Job chapter 13 verse 15, even though he slays us, we will still trust him. Hallelujah. We will still trust him. No matter what, we will still worship him. We have come to the point of knowing that he is our Lord, he is our God, and we will worship him and will serve no foreign God or any other stranger. He is our heart's desire. He is, the, he is, he is, he is our treasure. So be careful and be cautious don't spend time accusing people of something you cannot prove. Because otherwise, even you yourself will be operating in the demonic realm. And just because life hasn't gone the way you wanted, it does not mean that God hurts you. God loves you. You need to be able to tell yourself, God, I know you love me. Life hasn't treated me fairly. Things haven't gone the way I thought they would go. But one thing that is established within my life is that you love me. Because otherwise the devil will make you, will take you off course. I always speak to people who have suffered a divorce, separation, or all these things that happen to people. And I, and I say it because of my own experience. So even though mine was not a marriage, it was just a relationship when I was in college. But I remember when my first relationship ended in college, I told myself, I'll never marry. I'll never marry. And I said things that I don't want to repeat here. But you know what God did next? I saw a girl. And you know the girl. We've been married now for 23 years. This is our 10th year. And God has blessed us with three children. And I say, ah, after all, God was right when he said it is not good for man to be alone. And I'm wondering why I was saying, hey, me, I'll not marry. Just because I was disappointed by a girl, that was not reason for me not to get married. And you younger brothers and sisters in church, you may start a relationship. Hallelujah. And those of you who have gone through divorce, please don't make a decision and say, because I was disappointed, because he did me evil, because she did me evil, therefore I will not marry again. If you want to marry again, please what? Marry. 
you are not committing sin. So, these are my last words. You are not hated by God. Any suggestion that God doesn't like you, doesn't love you, it's a lie from the pit of hell. You have to check, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to develop in my character? Because there's something that God wants to develop in you. He wants to show you. Don't believe what the devil tells you. When all is said and done, what will really matter for us is what we have done for the cause of Christ and our families. So, what are the five traits of the devil's voice? Number one. Huh? He challenges God's truth and what? Boundaries. He challenges the truth of God and the boundaries. Number two. Huh? He always tries to pull you away from God's divine purpose and the plan of God for your life. Number three. He always what? When you are physically weak and you are spiritually weak, the devil is going to what? To speak. So you know what you said when you were spiritually weak and physically weak. You know. I'm not going to say because some of the things you said it to me. And I just knew you are spiritually weak and physically weak. So I just had to encourage you. But you believe that God hates you. Number four, he appeals to your wine. Amen. <laughs> he appeals to your flesh. He appeals to your flesh. All right. He appeals to your flesh. And I added another thing. What did I say? Uh-uh. There was an ego, but I said he appeals to your flesh. But then I finished it. And, and he really wants you to please the word the flesh. Okay? And then the last one? What? He accuses. His, his trade is accusing. So, when you cannot prove something concerning somebody, you don't what? You don't accuse. You shut up your mouth. Amen, church? But also, don't give people counsel on things you haven't experienced yourself. We finish. With those five things, you will know this is God speaking and this is the devil speaking. So next week we'll begin to talk about something else. Because this is our year of plenty and progress. I'm deliberately sharing this word so that when the God, when doors begin to open, you should know this is God, this is not God. Because otherwise you may say, we are walking in plenty and progress when it was the enemy. The blessing of the Lord maketh one rich. He adds no sorrow with it. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name.